Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. For those of you returning, hello again. And for those of you first time, welcome to the Cajun Podcast, uh, a podcast where I, your host, Petros Patsinovus will be watching every film by a chosen actor each series. Series one, if you haven't guessed, is Nicolas Cage. And so yeah, we're nine episodes in now, and this episode I am going to be looking at the 1987 film Moonstruck. This is another one, like much of these early ones, that I know nothing about. Um, all I know is starring Nicolas Cage and is starring Cher. And um, Nick Cage actually was asked to do this film because of his performance in Peggy Sue Got Married, which, for those of you who haven't seen it, is a real, real weird, real weird performance from Nick Cage. So... I'm interested to find out how that got him this role. So before we get fully into it, I'm going to have another go in the cage cage. Um, something that I've been doing for a good few episodes now. Yeah, for the last few episodes is I'm going to do about five or ten minutes just watching a vr 360 experience in which it's nothing but nick cage stuff so (laughs) it's clips just played simultaneously and it is it is hell it's hell on earth guys um if you want to check it out for yourselves it's the cagecage.com and it's fucking batshit crazy (laughs) um I feel like last episode, uh, Raise Arizona, was probably the first episode where I kind of went a bit fucking mental. I feel like Nick Cage is slowly seeping into my mind and his mania is becoming my mania. and I'm losing the plot over the, yeah, <laughs> over the next two weeks. Expect a lot of a lot of podcasts be released. Um, my roommate is currently in Bali for two weeks, so any spare time I have, like I've got the flat to myself, so I'm just gonna whenever I have spare moment, I'm gonna be recording podcasts. So most evenings, I'll probably be watching a Nick Cage film, and 
I'm going to be doing this. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, as I mentioned in the last episode, I've got the guests lined up for Vampire's Kiss, which is Max Cleworth from the band The New Tusk. Uh, really looking forward to that. I've got another few guests lined up as well. Um, I might not have guests for every single episode after number 10, just because of scheduling and trying to find that many different people i'll probably have some return guests throughout it but yeah it's going to be pretty hard to find 50 plus different people um yeah to come on this but i've got a fair few already so it's like ah better than nothing so some weeks sometimes some weeks it would just be me sometimes it'll be me and someone else so um yeah, I'm going to roll the theme music now, and after that, we'll get into the ridiculous nature of Nicolas Cage. Feels like I've been awake for days, watching films starring Nicolas Cage. Could be shit or it could be fun, Valley Girl face off an army of one. Deadpool Cornell, Lord of War, The Wicker Man, Trespass and so many more. Know how it starts, I don't know how it ends. The first ten are solo, then it's me and some friends. No distractions, no expectations over the weeks. Hear my frustrations. I guess the podcast is about to begin. I'm your host, Petra Plasilevis, and I'm caged in. So the cage cage has been done, guys. Um, Yep. Another five ten minutes spent in that, and oh, it is not me for six. <laughs> Again, today's episode will be Moonstruck, released in 1987. Um, I will be doing this with a set of rules for those of you who don't know, which are no distractions, no expectations. So, no distractions for those of you who don't know by now. No phones, mobiles, nothing, nothing, literally lights out, just me and the film, me and Cage, looking eye to eye, taking in every moment. I have a notebook that I jot everything down in. Um, I just want to address as well, someone mentioned on the um, Instagram account had that I took a break after the film. Um, yeah, I never said uh, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Uh, in the earlier episodes, I kind of didn't take a break, but I felt I felt having that tiny bit of time between, like taking yeah, watching the film and then taking like a half hour break or so, like just kind of gives me a chance to digest what the film was about. Like, and I'm. To fill in those earlier ones, I chatted a lot of shit, kind of not fully form, formed opinions or anything. And I obviously half hour probably isn't the best amount of time to fully form an opinion, but it's a lot better. I can kind of digest the film a bit more than I would do with a rash decision straight away. So that's been that's addressed. Okay, guys. Um, uh, and no expectation it's pretty self-explanatory um so if i don't know what the film is about if i haven't seen the film i'm not going to know anything i'm not going to look at any synopsis or any rotten tomato scores or imdb scores um 
that will be addressed after I've watched the film. So when we come back after watching the film, I'll do a breakdown and then I will see if my opinion matches that of popular opinion with the IMDb score and Rotten Tomatoes score. Am I in tune or out of touch? Am I on the beating pulse of popular opinion or am I a complete fucking idiot? Possibly the latter may be true. Only time will tell. (laughs) Um, Yeah, is there anything else to mention? As always, guys, rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, social media, at CajunPod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Email address, CajunPod at gmail.com. As I've mentioned last episode, in the next few weeks, possibly have some stickers and pin badges. Uh, More information on that coming up once that is a actual, physical, legitimate thing. Uh, that's about it really so it's probably best that I get my feet up turn my phone off and get raging with cage as a matter of full disclosure guys I'm not gonna lie to you I actually fell asleep whilst watching this last night so I started it over again today and watched the whole thing that's the kind of guy I am. That's what I'm going to do for this podcast and for you lovely guys at home watching these films. So you guys can skip them. You don't have to watch them. I'll watch them. I'll see everything Nick Cage has to offer. So, now that's out of the way, let's get into Moonstruck. Right, so... What can I really say about this film before going through what it is all about? Um, Not a lot really happens. From what I got from this film, it happened over four days, if that. It's it's a doozy, guys. Um, I'll come to whether I enjoyed it or not after the rundown. So let's run this shit from the top. So we introduced to Cher, she's doing people's taxes, she's in taxi at a funeral home, she's in taxi at a restaurant, and then boom, straight into it, it's her and a guy at a restaurant. We have um, the actor who plays Marty in Frasier, Frasier's dad, uh, getting dumped, we see that, and then um, Cher's character, whose name is Loretta, then gets engaged to a guy called Johnny, who's a bit of a half-wit, he doesn't have a ring. So she ain't happy about that. She says, get on your knees. Because she's like, this ain't going to work unless you play by the rules, boy. So he does it. He gets down on one knee, takes off his pinky ring, and he proposes to her. Um, Then they argue in the car about where the wedding will be, because he's going to Sicily because his mum is dying. She says, need to know a date. You can't just not have a date if you're going to get married people need to know she needs to be a legitimate thing she was married before her husband got run over this time she's doing it right so he asks her one thing he says we'll get married in a month's time 
a month to the day, all I want from you is to make sure that you can reconnect me with my brother who I haven't spoke to in five years. Here's his number. It's for his business. His name's Ronnie. Please, please, please get in touch. He drops, uh, she drops him off at the airport and then she heads on home, tells her parents about the engagement. Their dad ain't too happy, thinks the guy's an idiot. I think the guy's an idiot. The guy's an idiot. He tells, she tells her mum. She asks, are you in love? She says, no, nah, not really. She says, good. That's when it'll work out. If you're in love, that's when you can get hurt. Uh, she talks to her fiancé then on the phone, who won't tell his mum yet. She's she's yammering on in the back. She's on her deathbed. Cher's saying, you've got to tell your mum that we're getting married. He's cagey about it. And then she gets... He reminds her, that's it, he reminds her to call Ronnie. So she does it. And oh boy, he's not a happy boy. He just hangs up. Loretta's not happy with that. She's like, right, you don't want to speak to me on the phone? I'm going down there. I'm going old school. I'm going to see this motherfucker eye to eye. I'm going to say, hey, you reconnect with your brother because I'm fucking marrying him. We want you there at the wedding, and it's not going to be right unless you're there. Why are you falling out with your brother? Then we get to see him. We get to see the main man, Nicholas Cage, and he looks fucking mental. He's vested up, shoveling coal into a fire in the basement of a bakery in all his weird, fucked-up teeth glory. Ah. Oh. And then he does this weird monologue. I'm going to play for you now. You see, he's just a madman. He's got fire in his eyes. He's got fire in his belly. Roll it, Cage. They say bread is life. And, and I bake bread, bread, bread. And I sweat and shovel this stinking dough in and out of this hot hole in the wall. And... And I should be so happy. Huh, sweetie? You want me to come to the wedding of my brother Johnny? Where's my wedding? Chrissy, over by the wall. Bring me the big knife. No, Ronnie! Bring me the big knife! I'm gonna cut my throat! Maybe I should come back another time. No, I want you to see this. I want you to watch me kill myself so you can tell my brother Johnny. On his wedding day, okay? Chrissy, bring me the big knife! I tell you, I won't do it! He then goes into a story of how he lost his hand and it was his brother's fault. Because his brother ordered the bread and obviously that's how them things work, guys. So if you work in an industry and someone orders something from you and you then hurt yourself, it's their fault. Obviously, I work as a barista... If a customer orders a coffee and I burn my hand, it's their fault. Every last one of them. Motherfuckers. <laughs> That's obviously not how it works, guys. That's how it works in Cage's mental mind. Ronnie is a nut. He storms out. He's angry. He's impassioned. He's got that fire in his belly and a fire in his eyes. Loretta's chasing after him. So, Ronnie, let's just talk about this. Go up to where do you live? Like, We'll have a coffee. We'll have a chat about it. He lives upstairs, which is quite convenient. 
I'd love to live upstairs from where I work, but that's besides the point. Then we see Loretta's dad selling pipe. He's a very shrewd businessman. He's like, you could get this pipe, it's cheap. It'll be quick to install. But then you want to get a copper pipe in. Costs a lot up front, but save you money in the long run. I like the way he cuts a deal. And then you see him on a date with a woman who's not Loretta's mum. The man's a big dick player, guys. He's on the scene. He's flexing the birds left, right and centre. <laughs> um, then we cut back to Loretta and Ronnie. She's cooking steak. He's like, I like my steak. Rare. No, he doesn't like it rare. He likes it well done. That's how he likes it. He likes a lever. He likes it like a boot. She's like, yeah, get it how I cook it, man. He enjoys it. Because Woods, he knows, seems like a bit of a fucking idiot to me. Um, They chat. She makes this impassioned thing that how he's a wolf. And the reason he lost his hand... It's because as a wolf, he was tied down to a woman he didn't love because she left him after he lost his hand. What type of woman is going to leave you just because you lost a hand? That makes no sense to me, guys. Either, yeah, I'm lucky to have a lovely girlfriend and I'm pretty sure if I lost my hand, she'd still stay with me. I'll... I'll ask her and get back to you guys whether that is the case, but I'm pretty certain that is the case. So I think I'd be all right if I lost my hand. But again, I'm going off on a tangent here. Back to the thing. She says, you're a wolf. You kind of let yourself go and let that happen almost because you knew you were tied down and you knew you didn't want to be in that relationship so you found an out. You, you're a wolf. You will rip off your own hand to get away from a situation that you don't like. The fire inside of Ronnie's belly is raging. He flips the table. He kisses Cher. He picks her up. He takes her to the bedroom. And then we cut, guys. What the fuck happened? Then we see Cher's parents and her uncle and auntie having a conversation. Her uncle tells this weird story of how Loretta's dad used to always be up at the window. Always used to be down on the street whenever whenever he was going out just dating the mum. And he says there's this big, big ass moon. Big ass fool full moon and every time he'd look out the window this full moon he'd see the dad's face dad has no idea what he's talking about no one at the dinner party has any idea what he's talking about he seems like a crazy old cunt to me then that evening we get the moon we see the full moon everyone's looking at it loretta's mum gets out of bed she sees the moon then Loretta gets out of bed. She sees the moon. Cage gets up. He's like, wow, look at the moon. The uncle gets up. He looks at the moon. He's like, looking down on the street saying, I wonder if Cosmo's there. His wife thinks he's nuts. I think he's nuts. I think everyone would think he's nuts. And then we have 
Loretta's granddad, he's out walking his dogs. He gets them to howl at the moon. I'm not sure if this scene is supposed to have some type of significance. I'm not sure if the moon is supposed to have some type of significance. I'm not sure if Cage is actually supposed to be a wolf. I have no idea what the moon has to do with this. I know the film's called Moonstruck, but I have no idea what this has to do with the moon, guys. I'm not sure if this is a subconscious or... Something that I didn't pick up on because I'm a fucking idiot. It's probably most likely. But I don't know. It just looked nice. I like a nice full moon like the next guy. But I'm not sure what the significance of it was in this film. Then we have the morning after the night before. And Loretta regrets sleeping with Ronnie. As you would... It's her fiancé's brother. He says. I get it. You don't want to see me again. Just come to the opera with me. I love the opera. And I love you. Pretty full on. Like this is literally. She's been engaged probably like. Two days. They met yesterday. They didn't really talk. He says he loves her. They're going to the opera. She then leaves, goes straight to confession, confesses her sins, sees her mum in the church. Her mum's adamant that she knows that her husband is cheating. Loretta doesn't really know what to say. She doesn't know whether he is or not. Nobody knows at this point. Loretta then leaves... She goes to her auntie and uncle's shop, that's the one, (laughs) and does their banking for them, takes the money, then leaves, goes and gets her hair did. Oh boy, she gets her hair did, she's looking fresh, she gets eyebrows plucked, she's looking on point, guys. She then goes home, she gets all doled up for the opera, and meets old Nicky boy Cage. Old Ronnie. He's looking he's looking dapper. He's but he's looking rough around the edges. He's got his hair his hair's long, guys. Hair's pretty long in this. It's swept back, it's greasy. He's a baker. He doesn't care about looking fancy, but he's in a tux. So yeah, he's fresh. He's sharp, but he's rough around the edges. He's that kind of guy. They go into the opera, and then we see Loretta's mum going to dinner alone. She's sad. She thinks her husband's cheating. Who do we see again getting dumped? Marty from Frasier. He gets a glass of water thrown in his face. The guy ain't got much good luck. The mum laughs. She invites him to have dinner with her. And they discuss all about, like, why it is he's chasing these women. And she asks him a pivotal question that is, why do men chase women? And he goes into his sob story. He doesn't really know. She says, I think it's because they're scared of death. This is intercut with scenes of Loretta, Ronnie at the opera, where we see... 
Loretta's dad at the opera with his side chick. Shit's gonna go down. You see him at the bar when Ronnie goes to get them drinks. Then it cuts back to Loretta's mum. She's left the she's left the restaurant with old Marty. Marty Frazier on arm. Also, we see Loretta's granddad. He leaves his apartment with the dogs. He's walking down. Loretta's mum's walked out of the restaurant. We know what's going to happen. Bang. On the corner, they bump into each other. He just gives a disheartening look. He's like, well, that's my daughter-in-law. She's obviously cheating on my son. Little does he know. Back at the opera, Loretta bumps into her dad. And the side chick. She is not happy. She rushes out of there. Says to Ronnie, let's get a drink. After their drink, Loretta just wants to go home, understandably so. She's pissed off. She's caught her dad cheating. She thinks he's a scumbag. <laughs> um, and she just, yeah, she just wants to go home. She says, Ronnie, take me home. You think he's walking her home? No, he takes her to his place ultimate scumbag move and it was at this point of the film in my notes i wrote i can't tell if she's into him or not he comes across as a fucking creep he's creeping all over the place he says to her just come in just come in and he gives her this speech on love loretta i love you not not like they told you love is and i didn't know this either but love don't make things nice. It ruins everything. It breaks your heart. It makes things a mess. We, we aren't here to make things perfect. The snowflakes are perfect. Stars are perfect. Not us. Not us. We are here to ruin ourselves and, and to break our hearts and love the wrong people and and die. I mean that the storybooks are bullshit. Now I want you to come upstairs with me and and get in my bed. So this speech has like real nice sentiments, I think. Like obviously he's saying like the nature of love is not as we expect. It's not like the fairy tales. But it just sounds fucking desperate. Like that finishing line, just come upstairs and get in my bed. That sounds like a man possessed. It sounds like the ultimate creep. And there's only one man who can deliver that impassioned, creepy dialogue. It's our main man, Nicolas Cage. Let's take a break from the rundown of the film and let's talk about that voice. It was Peggy Sue got married that got him this role. A film where he has a fucking mental voice. And this one ain't too much better, guys. It's... I don't know. It's a bit more normal. But it's got this weird twinge to it. It's got... like He's a master of doing these just outlandish, off-the-wall voices that just come out of nowhere. And... <laughs> it's just something off-kilter about it. And a little strange... Enough of that, back to the film. So they go upstairs, and then we get this mental plane landing scene where you're just like, 
fucking hell. If you're epileptic, fucking take a take a take a breather around here because it. I fucking thought I was gonna have a seizure, let alone someone who had any medical conditions. Um, lights just flashed in your eyes. Who's back from Italy? Fucking Johnny, Johnny Camareri, Ronnie's brother. Shit's gonna hit the fan. I'm telling you, he rushes straight from the airport in this kind of almost Home Alone esque slapstick. Like gets off the plane has his two suitcases, leaves them outside the cab, the cab kind of reverses in, gets back out, gets his cases and steamrolls off with this kind of jaunty kind of curb your enthusiasm-esque music and he drives straight to Loretta's family home. We all know Loretta's not there. She is with Ronnie getting down, getting Dirty, loving the wrong people. And he has a conversation with Loretta's mum. She's stone cold, sasses him. He's like, Where, where's Loretta? She's like, I don't know, she's out. He's like, where? He's like, I don't know, she's out. I like that, I like that, I like that. Passion in a woman, fiery Italian woman. Woo! And then they have that conversation, like, she brings up, why are you back? And he says, well, my mum miraculously got better. I told her we were going to get engaged, and bang, she's out of the bed. She's fine. And then she's like, oh, shit. I think Loretta's mum at this point might have had her speculation that something is going on. But not too sure. But she asks him the question that she asked Marty in the restaurant about why do men chase women? He comes up with some kind of philosophical bullshit about the Bible and how in the Bible Adam's rib was taken by God and that men are searching for that rib ever since. She looks confused. I'm pretty confused. We're all pretty confused. Makes no sense. And then she probes him for a better answer. And he, bang on, nail on the head. Exactly what she thinks. He says, men chase women because they're afraid to die. She is ecstatic with that. And on that, Mr. Loretta, Mr. Cher, Loretta's dad, Cosmo, Turns up from the opera. He's frosty. The wife's got her suspicions. Rightfully so. He kind of gives a cryptic clue to Johnny. That he should be wary about marrying Loretta. Because obviously he knows at this point. That Loretta is cheating on him with Dirty Ronnie. And then we leave it there to the next day. And we see Loretta leave Ronnie's apartment. Whilst he sits there moping, listening to opera. And opera plays over the sound of like the film. Obviously, non-diagetic. Always get confused, diagetic or non-diagetic. But it's, yeah. It's played out. You know what I mean, guys. <laughs> um, and she's walking home. She turns out, she's kind of literally washing. She's a woman in love. 
I figured out at this point she must be like she must be into him. Like she wouldn't have gone up there. I don't know unless his wicked ways charmed her with his creepy speech and his impassion. Come on, get upstairs, girl. Um, she goes home. Her mum notices she has a love bite. Obviously realizes that she's been unfaithful. And then moments later, as if they walk together, Cage turns up. Old Ronnie turns up. Like, yeah, I don't get it. (laughs) Um, It is literally a matter of 30 seconds she is home and he turns up. This is almost, this film is almost staged like a play at times because... She would have fucking noticed if he was about 30 steps behind her. Or if he, if she didn't, he's pretty creepy dude. The fact that he was lurking around. Then again, he has shown so far in this film that he is a pretty creepy dude. So panic ensues because by this point, Loretta knows because her mum has told her that Johnny will be back round to tell her. Ronnie says, it's great. I want to meet your family. I want to tell Johnny myself that we're in love. It's not going to end well, or will it? Who knows? Well, we all will in about five minutes' time. Um, They sit down for oatmeal. It's kind of surreal. Like, it's not really a big deal made of the fact that Loretta is engaged probably about two days earlier. Now she's here with another guy entirely. They're sitting down. The dad then walks in. They're having a family breakfast. Then the granddad walks in. He refers to something that was mentioned earlier in the film and says that the dad is cheap and he must pay for the daughter's wedding. Yeah, so you should, you cheap bastard. You're cheating on your wife. And then the mum announces to the dad, she just asks him a simple question. Have I been a good wife? Which he replies, yes. She says, and stop seeing her. Which he stands up, he raises out of his seat. Anger seethes all the way through him, he slams on the table and then just announces, okay. And then you think the tension is building, you think Johnny is turning up, you hear the door go again. No, it's Loretta's auntie and uncle, they look pissed off. They're accusing Loretta of stealing money. It turns out... The money she took from them when she did their accounting, she didn't take to the bank. She was too busy getting her hair did. She forgot to take it to the bank and she's got it in her bag. Everyone's relieved. Then the door goes again. This time it is Johnny. He announces to the family that the mother's made a miraculous recovery and it was down to him announcing that him and Loretta were going to get married. And he says that is the reason why he can't marry her because by marrying her that will kill his mother which I don't kind of get the logic to um so the marriage is off the ring is back and then out of nowhere Ronnie proposes to Loretta she says yes they taste it they toast the engagement and then that's it guys that's the end of the film like how it started, this film kind of just just ends, kind of just starts and ends, like not real, 
I don't know, it kind of meanders through. It feels like it felt like not a lot really happened. Really, it's kind of a weird one. I um, I actually enjoyed this. Yeah, surprisingly so. I thought well, it's one of Cage's best performances so far. Cher was a knockout. Um, all the performances were great. Like, I found it. I found it funny. I found it moving. I found it like some parts of it, obviously. I didn't kind of get the significance with the moon and stuff like that. Maybe that's me being an idiot. Maybe now that I've seen the film, I can do a bit of digging and reading up about that type of stuff. Um, yeah, I've, this probably isn't the greatest podcast, come to think of it, for insightful facts about films. This is solely my opinion, and that's an opinion of a fucking idiot, guys. So... I do apologise on that. There's plenty of other podcasts out there for people who know what they're fucking talking about and do a bit of research. But that's all a part of the fun, is the fact that I don't do any research. I just go into these films with my eyes closed, ready to be opened by the performances of Nicolas Cage. Um, So yeah, that was one, again, that I enjoyed. I feel like we're definitely... On an uphill walk with Cage. The performances seem to be getting better. He seems to be being cast for him. Not so much him trying to fit into a role. People have seen him in other stuff and thought, this guy is fucking nuts. He kind of brings this weird energy and this weird thing about him. Kind of, No matter what role he does, he has this weird twinge to his voice or something. Or it would just go off the wall with the voices he does and how he acts like his cadences maybe all over the place or just the performances are all off the wall and I'm finding that really fun and I hope I pray that as things progress this will only get more and more off the wall and yeah we'll get a lot of more fun fun cage um now it's time to see if my opinions of the film, those, as I said before, of an idiot, correlate with those opinions of the masses. So I will be looking to IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes and Roger Ebert. Maybe Metacritic. I might. I'm pro- Actually, no, guys. I'm going to say now. I'm going to sack that one off. I'm going to keep it nice and sweet to a free. So Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb and Roger Ebert. See if my opinion matches theirs or if I'm way off the wall and this is a critical and commercial failure. Right, so in first we have the Rotten Tomato score and this film got a whopping 92% rating. Oh boy. Petty Pino's. What's good? So it's looking like, guys. Next with an IMDb score of 7.1. I believe that was the same as last week's entry of Raising Arizona. Finally, but in no regard, the least respected of the scoring systems is Roger Ebert. Four out of four. This is a stone-cold classic, guys. After doing some further reading, I have seen that this is a 
three-time Oscar winner. Is it three-time? Let me double-check that. Da, da, da. Fucking hell. Right. Oh, yeah, this is great. A guy looking up stuff on the internet. It was nominated for six awards. One Best Original Screenplay for John Patrick Shanley. Best Actress for Cher. And Best Supporting Actress for Olympia Dukakis. Fucking hell, guys. Why have I not seen this film before? Well, that's what this journey is about. Me getting to see the good, the bad, and the damn right ridiculous. Fucking hell. What a winner. Yes. So, guys, you've got my opinion. You've got the opinion of Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, and Roger Ebert. If you have varying opinions to all of those, uh, if you think this film is fucking shit, or, yeah, I'm a fucking idiot, just get at me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CagedInPod, or email me at CagedInPod at gmail.com. Com. Well, that's a wrap for this one, guys. As always, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. As for what is coming up in the next few episodes, always do this in kind of four episode chunks so you know kind of not too much to get, yeah. Not to get too ahead of ourselves. So next up we'll have Never on a Tuesday. And do I know anything about it? No. Then we have episode 11. The first of a guest. As I mentioned last episode, that will be Max Cleworth of the band The New Tusk. Very much looking forward to that. Then after that we will have Time to Kill. Also released in 1989, the same year as Never on a Tuesday and Vampire's Kiss. Fucking hell, Cage was a busy boy. And then, after that, we will have Firebirds, released in 1990. That's it for what's coming up. Um, I know about one of these films that we've got in the next four four episodes that's vampire's kiss i'm very much looking forward to that one very much looking forward to recording that with someone else because this is sending me stir crazy but guys as always i've been petrobatsilvis i've been caged in you've been rad till next time bye When the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie. Get in my bed. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pontrell Cinecast, Caged In Copeland Connections, A Drooptown Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.